1: It is Tuesday, October 4th, and this is People Every Day. Hey there, Janine Rubenstein here. I know I said today is Tuesday, which means at millions of cafeterias and households, tacos are on the menu, but you guys, Today is extra special. It's National Taco Day, which means this is the king of all Taco Tuesdays. So be sure to get yourself one with all the fixings. We've got a great show for you today. We're sitting down with friend of the show and Bachelor alum Nick Vile about his brand new book, which is out today. It's so good. And there's a lot of talk surrounding the Bros movie and why many people didn't go see it or at least haven't yet. So much to get to. So let's dive right in. We begin with the sad news of the death of country music legend, Loretta Lynn. A statement from her family said, quote, Our precious mom, Loretta Lynn, passed away peacefully this morning, October 4th, in her sleep at home in her beloved ranch at Hurricane Mills in Tennessee. Back in April, the star celebrated her 90th birthday, and she lived a very full 90 years. She began singing when she was just 18 years old as a way to make extra money for her family. It should be noted, she was already a mother of four at the time. In 1960, she signed her first record deal and released her first single, I'm a Honky Tonk Girl. A string of top 10 hits followed, like Don't Come Home a-Drinkin' with Lovin' on Your Mind, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, and Fist City. Back in 2010, Lynn told people, every song I wrote came from my heart, and I went through a lot and put up with a lot. Throughout her career, she remained an icon, inspiring artists like Tim McGraw, Reba McIntyre, and Jack White. Loretta Lynn was always proud to say she was born a dirt poor Kentucky coal miner's daughter who sung her way to the center of the global stage. For her talent, her candor, and her one-of-a-kind spirit, she will be sorely missed. Earlier today, reports began trickling out that seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady and supermodel Gisele Bündchen have hired divorce lawyers. Brady and Buncheon have reportedly been living separately for the past few months, and it looks like it's an arrangement they're looking to make permanent. It's been no secret that Giselle wasn't pleased with Tom's decision to unretire as quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier this year, and she's been noticeably absent from Brady's games so far this season. During training camp, Brady was away from the team for a little over a week and a half. At the time, it was unclear exactly why the future Hall of Famer was missing, but in the weeks since, it's been believed Brady spent that time with his family. After his return to camp, TB12 told reporters, I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of ish going on. The Bunchin and Brady bunch includes two children, 14-year-old Benjamin and 9-year-old Vivian. Brady also has a 15-year-old son, Jack, from a previous relationship, and we still haven't had an official statement from either side. But we will continue to keep tabs on this story as it progresses. And now, we're turning our attention to the buzz, or lack thereof, surrounding the critically acclaimed rom-com, Bros, and take a dive into why certain movies are getting more love at the box office than others. You met a guy?
0: I don't think I'm his type. He's like gay Tom Brady.
2: What are you into? One of these ripped idiots with no opinions? No, I like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking.
1: That right there was a clip from the movie Bros, the rom-com starring Billy Eichner that hit theaters this past Friday. The film follows a podcast host named Bobby who falls for a lawyer named Aaron. Both men are not the, quote, relationship type, as one might say, but they can't help but be drawn to each other. Bros is the first gay rom-com produced by a major studio that had a ton of marketing and a ton of buzz, but unfortunately, the movie did not do well at the box office, and Billy Eichner has something to say about it. So joining me now is People Senior Editor, Nigel Smith, our movie's guru. Hey, Nigel, welcome back.
3: (laughs) I like that title. Hello, hello.
1: (laughs) So, Nigel, when you saw these headlines calling bros a box office failure, uh, what immediately came to mind for you?
3: So much was made about the fact that this movie was reportedly making history as the first major studio queer romantic comedy And then, you know, three days later, after it opens, you get all of these negative headlines just saying how the movie tanked, how it bombed, et cetera, et cetera. And what does this mean for the future of LGBTQ films in Hollywood? What does it mean for romantic comedies? And it just kind of made me sad because when people see headlines like that, they're not going to really want to go see the movie.
1: So. Billy Eichner was, of course, crushed by the box office numbers. It opened to $4.8 million, which is pretty low. The movie itself cost $22 million to make, and that's before its substantial promotion budget. Can you say a little bit of what he had to say and what your thoughts are on his take?
3: Well, he shared a long Twitter thread where he talked about sneaking in to the movie in L.A. and that the audience loved it, Uh, the fact that critics are over the moon with it. And then he reacted to the box office performance saying it's just the world we live in, unfortunately, and essentially blaming what he calls straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, for not showing up. So it generated a lot of discussion. And I saw that I was a little disappointed that he called out one specific group for contributing to the box office failure of the movie in its opening week because, you know, I'm a gay man and I have a lot of gay friends. And I remember just hearing from my own community leading up to the release, oh, well, I don't know if it's a movie for me, I don't really like the marketing. I don't know if Billy Eichner is a good romantic comedy lead. I don't really get the title. I can speak for my some people in my community. And, you know, I, I do feel sometimes we kind of kill our own in a way, you know, like I, I do feel that people should have gone out and supported this movie because we need more like it. But instead, it kind of generated a little controversy and some trepidation.
1: Let's get to the big question. Are people not interested in going to see rom-coms in general in theater? And we have to talk about the pandemic and, you know, the, the state of the movie industry right now. You have the top guns of the world and Marvel, but are other movies, possibly smaller movies, just not able to do that in general, regardless of if they're straight or gay or whatever?
3: Well, regarding romantic comedies and how they perform at the box office, Time and time again, it's been proven that they just have to have a certain star power. So look back to The Lost City, for example. That came out earlier, and that had Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, and that was a big hit. But that was also kind of an action romantic comedy. It provided spectacle as well as comedy, and that performed. But, I mean, then again, you even have romantic comedies like Jennifer Lopez's new movie, Shotgun Wedding, and that film looks so funny and looks like it would be something that would be a big hit in the theaters what, like 10 years ago. But that's going to Amazon Prime. So studios are obviously a little reticent about releasing romantic comedies on the big screen, unfortunately. But Bros, unfortunately, just doesn't have the star power that something like The Lost City It does. Then you also have the marketing for the film. There were so many posters throughout New York City for the past couple of weeks. And they're just photo of two men's butts and they're grabbing each other's butts and there's no faces. There's no real like selling point in terms of like who is in this movie. Right. Mm -hmm. I think those were two big things that contributed to it.
1: For sure. And then I saw something about how October is just like (laughs) dead in the water for rom-coms.
3: October is obviously known as the horror month, right? So they released slasher films leading up to Halloween. The movie that was the big hit this weekend was a movie that actually was made for lesser money than Bros and it was called Smile. It's a terrifying slasher horror film, and that film just came at the right time, and it took away a lot of bro's thunder.
1: You talk about that marketing. My executive producer brought it up today in our meeting saying that he was watching baseball and there was just a woman in a creepy shirt that said, smile, smiling right behind like home base. And everyone's like, what is that? What is she doing? She's so creepy. And lo and behold, $22 million opening weekend for this movie, Smile, that did not have posters all over.
3: It's all about viral marketing now, especially for smaller movies without big stars. You have to create talk and chatter.
1: Well, before I let you go, in your words, why should people
3: go see Bros? Well, listen, gay or not, the movie is just really funny. I'm seeing it for a second time on Wednesday to support this movie, but also. Also, because I miss so many jokes because it's that funny that you're laughing and another joke comes up and you miss it because they're just coming at such a swift pace. It's produced by Judd Apatow, so you know his form of comedy. It's, it's just really well written. It's really clever and it tells a really sweet love story. And Billy is just a fantastic writer and he's really good at kind of playing a version of himself in this movie that I think a lot of people, straight, gay, bi, what have you, will relate to.
1: Well convincing argument. Nigel, thank you so much for being here. And it's great to have you on as always.
3: Thank you for having me. And go see Rose.
1: They say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but in my opinion, it's totally okay to fall in love with one based on its title. And Nick Vile's new book, don't text your ex happy birthday and other advice on love sex and dating is out now and is just as juicy and fun as it sounds coming up nick stops by to talk all about this soon-to-be bestseller but first megan markle's podcast returned and once again she's getting deep this week she's joined by margaret cho as they break down harmful and hateful asian stereotypes we'll sample their conversation on diversity and culture right after the break don't go anywhere We are back from break, and Meghan Markle has returned from her podcasting hiatus. The Duchess of Sussex took several weeks off from releasing her weekly Archetypes show following the death of her husband's grandmother, Queen Elizabeth II. Meghan opened the show by sharing her experience of growing up in a culturally diverse place, how L.A. shaped her view of the world, and how, quote, the multitude of Asian cultures was a huge part of that. Comedian Margaret Cho joined to discuss the trope of the dragon lady and how America's hypersexual version of Asian women is rooted in the wars America fought in Asia during the middle of the last century that shaped their depiction in pop culture. Cho spoke about how she grew up on movies and TV, but felt the characterization of the Dragon Lady pushed her to seek out other forms of representation in entertainment.
3: When you start to see yourself, you get a taste of it and you get addicted to it. And you just want to see, like, I want to feel seen. And so that really made me want to explore world cinema more, um, just because I didn't feel like I even existed here.
1: Then Cho spoke openly about how this harmful stereotype made its way from the way Asian women are depicted in cinema into everyday life. She talked about the violence against people of Asian ancestry and specifically the shooting that took place at Asian-owned spas in Atlanta that left eight people dead.
3: The reality of it is that these were women, they were just at work. The weirdness of like those old archetypes uh, the dragon lady still holds true even in news coverage even though they don't say dragon lady it's almost like the shorthand of massage parlor or um asian spas
1: it's dehumanizing and it's like only um a fraction of who we could be it's really a fascinating episode and one that had me thinking just a lot about the ways i've been exposed to asian representation in tv and films Megan also sits down with CNN's Lisa Ling to talk about how someone like Connie Chung really paved the way for her to have a career in journalism. The whole episode is just really interesting and one that will definitely keep you thinking for the full 45 minutes and, well, several hours after that. Definitely worth checking out The Demystification of Dragon Lady. That's the name of the episode on Spotify now. our next guest is no stranger to the show and we are excited to talk about his newest venture Nick Vile is a beloved member of Bachelor Nation the host of the successful podcast The Vile Files and now an author his new book Don't Text Your Ex Happy Birthday and Other Advice on Love Sex and Dating is a no holds barred dating advice book that dives headfirst into into situationships F boys and healthy love versus toxic love this book is set up and written with the brutal wit and charm that Nick delivers on his Ask Nick episodes and social media weekly series. Joining me now is Nick Vile. So welcome back to the show, Nick.
2: Thanks for having me. Good to be with you again.
1: I want to just dive right in on the F-boy stuff of it all. What advice do you have for
2: people dealing with them? We are now in a society that's more sex positive and we are settling down later in life. And as we are dating, we are more quick, generally, to participate in hookup culture. I've participated in hookup culture before. We've all done it. But I think we need to kind of reframe how we, we see it. I think that's that's what's created what feels like all these uh, F-boys, if you will, right? But I think anyone can be an F-boy, regardless of your gender or your sexual orientation. Because when it comes down to it, if you are participating in hookup culture, let's say you're sleeping with someone you're dating, and someone likes someone more than the other person, mm-hmm. then one person's gonna end up being the F boy, right? Because usually what's happening is is you're not setting up front expectations, you're not talking about boundaries and things like that. I'm thinking
1: of, and this is multiple situations, guys that will literally like come on strong, like the roses, do all the things but have no actual meaning behind it. They are doing that to kind of play that game. Like, that's how my friends,
2: at least. You got to think about it. Like, we're all out there in hookup culture. And I don't know who your friends are, but my guess is they've also met guys that you know like them but they don't like either. Everyone's non-committal. Everyone's just like, "Oh, I'm not so sure." Everyone's matched with 6 to 10 people on dating apps and have four conversations going. We're all the heroes in our own stories. So it's very easy to feel like we've been f-boyed. I think if we start considering our behavior and how we're communicating with people and maybe our lack of setting up front expectations and things like that. It's very possible for people to perceive us that as well. You wrote this book, and I'm
1: curious just about, you know, the process and to put that down onto paper. What was that like for you?
2: I didn't really even anticipate writing this. And then when I got the opportunity to write it, I just kind of powered through and I didn't worry about, you know, structure. I just wrote ideas on a piece of paper and just kept writing my thoughts for a while. I just I wasn't sure this was really coming together. But thankfully, my editors worked with me, and we were able to take the pages that I wrote and and put it into a very very rough draft. Then I realized, well, I'm, I'm missing this. It needs that. And then it kind of became fun. So as far as my dyslexia goes, I put my editors through a lot of work in terms of cleaning up my poor grammar and things like that, but I ended up being pleasantly surprised. Everything I talk about in the book is a mistake I made and something I've had to learn the hard way. It's meant to be a very easy read, very relatable book in terms of anecdotal stories from my life, anecdotal stories from people who've called in my show, my friends. And I think everyone will find a a lot of relatable situations in this book. And then
1: what did Natalie think of the book? Did she get like an early
2: read? She was actually very helpful in the process. Obviously, I'm known for having pretty direct advice, but I wanted to be empathetic and I wanted to be relatable and certainly not be harsh or anything like that. So she was uh, very helpful throughout that process.
1: Well, now, we're here at People, so we want to put a twist on the Ask Nick a little bit and ask you about some celebrity couples. So if you had these couples messaging you on Instagram, what is, like, the witty comment or the hot take advice that you would give them at first glance? So Tom Brady and Giselle, what's your hot take on them?
2: For everything I heard about this story, I think there was a quote uh, of, of Giselle saying, you know, kind of like I've done my part almost, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. And that sounds to me like someone who really has tried to be a good partner to her partner, right? And try to be there for her, make the sacrifices necessary to be there. And everyone has their limit, you know, at some point, it's just like, I need you To prioritize us, or I need you to prioritize me as opposed to prioritizing your career or your passions and and things like that.
1: Another one for you, kicking it back old school Sylvester Stallone and Jennifer Flavin. They announced their divorce and now they're back together. They've been together for decades. Them calling in, like, what do you think?
2: Every relationship is tough. I don't know what happened to drive even the divorce conversation to start, but clearly there seems to be a lot of love there. And sometimes we need wake up calls as partners. We often take for granted the people we love the most. Mm-hmm. When we feel safe in relationships, and that's a great feeling to feel, we sometimes, we take the foot off the gas, so to speak, and coast. It's great not to have to always worry and feel like you have to always like be perfect or do things every day just to get someone to love you and, and just to get someone to stay in a relationship with you. But sometimes that can lead to complacency. again, we can prioritize our own needs.
1: Last but not least, the social media scandal heard around the world. Adam Levine and Behati Prince-Lou, him kind of coming out and saying like, dang, I did send those DMs. Adam,
2: stop being loose in the DMs. But in all seriousness, I don't know the expectations and boundaries those two have. We don't really know what uh, parameters they have set in their relationship. For all we know, Bahati's like, listen, just be faithful, but like DM whoever you want. People have done weirder things. That being said, assuming that she's not okay with that, I, I'm a big believer that emotional cheating is not any different than physical cheating, but that's a that's that's a boundary I've set for myself and my relationships and and maybe maybe Adam and Bahati have different boundaries that they have in their relationship.
1: I think that is the best just clearest advice. This is so fun and it's always so good to have you on. Guys, don't text your ex happy birthday and other advice on love, sex, and dating is out today. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure.
1: Now, with all of the stresses we have going on with work and family and just trying to balance it all... I'm sure you're a lot like me and could definitely make more room in your life to give yourself a little pep talk and cut down on all of the negative things rattling around in your brain. It's a good habit to get into, and like all habits, the younger you are when you start, the easier it is to continue throughout your life. That's why I wanted to share that video going around of the teacher who encourages her students to pump themselves up as a little something to make you smile. In the video, she has each student come up to a mirror in her classroom, look at themselves in the eye, and give themselves a short but powerful and positive affirmation. I'm strong! Yeah, you are! Come on, tell them. I'm not afraid of anything! Anything! That's
3: what I'm talking about. Go, come on, man.
1: I am smart. Yeah, you are. Come on, girl. I am loving. Yeah, you are. And I love that she's right there next to them, hyping them up even more. Tell them, man. I'm brave! Yeah, baby! Say, I can do anything! Seriously, what a great practice. And I love what she said to these kids at the very end. I can do hard things. I I can do hard things. things. I can do anything. I can do do anything. I believe in me. I believe in me. That is exactly the kind of teacher who makes a difference, right? It's a small thing for these kids who are probably six or seven years old. But I think we can all use a friendly reminder to be kind to yourself and, and believe you can do hard things. Well, that is all we have for today. Thanks for joining us again. And we'll do it again tomorrow with you right here on People Every Day.